Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Tube Talk with vidIQ. This week, I am your host, Viper, the man about tech. I'm an executive producer here at vidIQ. And as usual, in my co-pilot seat here, we have my man, Dan C. What's up, Dan? How you doing, sir? I'm fantastic. How are you? I am good. Thank you, man. Thank you for being here today and appreciate all of you all listening out there in the uh, podcast world. We have a good episode coming up this week. We'll be talking to my man, Justin Moore, the creator wizard himself. We're going to be talking about brand deals and how a creator can go about getting brand deals, whether you're a new creator or an established creator. So that'll be a very good conversation. But before we get to that, Dan, I want to talk about some confusion that I've seen in our vidIQ live streams on YouTube lately. So I want to clear something up real quick. Now, as we know, YouTube is an evolving platform and there are a bunch of changes that happen to the platform month over month, hell, sometimes week over week. One of the more recent changes has to do with their community tab. Now, recently, YouTube changed the requirements that creators must fulfill to get access to the community tab. It used to be you had to have at least 1,000 subscribers before you could get access to the community tab. And for those of y'all who are not aware of what the community tab is, if you go to your YouTube channel and you go to the different tab sections on top, there's an about section, there's a home section, different things like that. There's a tab called community. And that is where you can post regular like posts or polls or post pictures and different things like that. It's almost like a little Facebook type deal YouTube has going on. But that is the community tab. And now with this recent change, more creators will have access to use their community tab. Because now as of October 12th, you have to have 500 subscribers to have access to the community tab. Now this is a gradual rollout. Um, not everybody has access to it right now, but if you have 500 or more subscribers on YouTube, eventually you will have access to the community tab. Now, for whatever reason, during our live stream, Dan, a lot of people thought that this meant that you had to have 500 subscribers to get access to the YouTube partner program, which is mm. the program that you go through to get monetized, get your YouTube channel monetized. I'm not sure where the confusion came from, Dan, but it seemed pretty cut and dry to me. I was having to look back at the video I made for this announcement because I, I jumped on a video the day they announced this. And I'm like, no, I don't think I, I think it was pretty clear somewhere there's been a miscommunication, though. And it was surprising how many people I'm glad you're bringing this up. It was just surprising how many people thought, oh, yeah, I need 500 subscribers now instead of a thousand. And then the watch time wasn't addressed either, which I feel like those two things go hand in hand. So if they're going right. to lower the requirement for the subscribers, they would have also lowered the requirement for watch time, which they did not do. Correct. So yeah, so just so we can clear that up, the YouTube partner program, the monetization requirements have not changed. To get monetized on YouTube, you still, even to this day, need 1,000 subscribers, 4,000 hours of watch time. That has not changed. However, if you want access to YouTube community tab where you can interact with your subscribers or just the platform as a whole, as of October 12th, you now only need to have 500 subscribers and you will have access to that community tab. Again, it is a gradual rollout. It's not accessible to everybody as of yet, but it will be over the coming weeks ahead. So be on the lookout for that if you do have 500 or more subscribers. Also, there are other changes that YouTube have been making in relation to live streaming. I'm going to let Dan uh, take the lead on this because he's a little bit more informed than I am. But we have seen now that YouTube is really uh, looking at Twitch like, okay, we see you Twitch. We going we, we to batch your changes. So Dan, talk to us a little bit about these live stream changes that YouTube has coming up here. It certainly looks like YouTube is trying to capitalize on everything going on with Twitch. And I, we're not going to get into all of that. But if you've been keeping up with the news in these creator communities, you might know some of what's going on with Twitch. So 
YouTube is taking creators from the Twitch platform and giving them sweetheart deals. And those creators have moved over to YouTube. They're now contractually obligated to stream on YouTube. They have an undisclosed amount of money in the coffers for this, which is great. So we're getting these massive names exclusively on YouTube. So that, that was already happening. The streamer wars were already going on in that sense. But now YouTube, since getting these creators on board, has started to sit down with them and actually have conversations. Hey, biggest live stream creators ever, what do you think we could do to improve our live streaming platform? And they've been very vocal about a number of things that YouTube announced are coming now in 2022. The biggest announcement here being gifted memberships. Mm. For anyone who doesn't know, you can start a membership program once you're monetized on your channel. People can pay you a monthly fee. You get to set the prices of those and what people get for those. And then people pay you this monthly fee just to support you. It's called Twitch subscriptions on Twitch. You have followers, which are free on Twitch, subscriptions, which are not. But on YouTube, you have subscribers, which are free, and now members, which are not. So it gets a little confusing. <laughs> but yes, so now you can gift a membership to a viewer in the stream. So the way it would work is if you were just some person watching a live stream and a generous person also watching the live stream wanted to just start gifting the streamer memberships, they could pick your name and say, I'm going to give Bob this membership and I'm going to gift one to Tony and I'm going to gift one to Sally. And, and then suddenly all these people have access to the membership perks, which is a truly incredible feature on Twitch. It drives a lot of revenue and I'm surprised YouTube didn't do it sooner. That is pretty awesome. Now, I've also heard, Dan, that you know how on Twitch they have Wraith. I heard that that yep. might be coming to YouTube as well. Is that correct? I hope they find a new name for this. Yes. Raids are kind of what you would expect them to be called on Twitch. They've always called them raids. It's when you take, when you, your live stream ends, you send viewers over to someone else's stream. It's something that streamers were doing anyway. And Twitch invented like a function in it. So you can actually more easily and seamlessly send people over to other streams. Now on YouTube, since streaming is getting so popular, especially in the gaming space, same deal. If you're done streaming, YouTubers have just been sending people over, you know, manually. And YouTube's going to add a live redirect function. I think that's a clunky name. I don't think it should be called Raids, but I also don't think it should be called Live Redirect. They should try and find a more catchy name for it. But I, as somebody who streams games, this has happened to me. The other thing I'll say about these changes is that YouTube has, yes, given a lot of money to gaming creators. And yes, these changes are influenced by gaming creators. But I stressed in the video we did at vidIQ for our channel last week, it is so important to realize this is not exclusive to gaming channels. YouTube as a system doesn't know that you are a gaming channel or a travel channel. If you live stream, you're going to get access to these features. That's how this works. And look at Twitch. There's all kinds of different types of live streams on there. It's not just gaming and they have the same access and they use these features. They use subscriptions. They use raids. They use all these things. So all that's happening is streaming as a whole is getting an upgrade. And the only thing that was regrettable about this news announcement is it really catered itself exclusively to gaming. And it kind of left in the comments of my video, even a lot of confusion. Like it sounds like this is only for gaming channels, dude. <laughs> I had to sit there and answer comments like, no, if you live stream, you just got a huge upgrade. This is going to be awesome for you starting sometime next year. Yes, and I definitely want to double down on it because the messaging with live streaming is kind of weird on YouTube, but one live streamer has the equivalent features of every live stream. It doesn't matter your channel size or anything like that. I remember a few months ago, uh, my live stream channel got access to membership. Beforehand, you had to have at least 30,000 subscribers to have access to channel membership on YouTube. My live streaming channel has less than 2,000 and I had access to membership. So YouTube treats live streaming a little differently in that way. If you're a live streamer on YouTube, it doesn't matter if you're a gaming live streamer or a tech live streamer like I am or just whatever you live stream. If you live stream, you pretty much have access to everything that YouTube has to offer. So these features that Dan alluded to, they will be coming to any and all live streamers on YouTube. So 
glad we highlighted that and made that clear. Yeah, I'm sure they'll release more info as we get closer. I mean, you can live stream before you're monetized. So, of course, paid memberships, gifted memberships, those won't be a thing. But, you know, just pay attention to the announcements. And if they are catered towards gaming, just realize it's because they're getting a lot of advice from the pioneers of all of this, which happen to be gaming channels. Indeed. And uh, one of the cool things about live streaming, Dan, is that it often creates another way to drive revenue, to make money. You know, during a live stream, you have Super Chat, you have uh, channel memberships and different things like that. They even add the Super Thanks for regular video, not live stream. But live streaming itself can generate you ad revenue as well. So you have multiple ways during a live stream where you can generate revenue. And it's interesting that we talk about revenue, Dan, because this week guest Justin Moore, Creator Windsor, talked to us about how to generate revenue with brand deals and different things like that. So I think it's time, Dan, unless I miss anything or you have something you want to add, I think it's time to uh, bring in Mr. Moore. Yeah, I have one thing I want to add. Let's teach people again how to make some money. Let's go out here and make this money, y'all. Absolutely. And with that, let's roll to the podcast. All right, so we are live on the Tube Talk podcast, and this week we have the creator wizard himself, Mr. Justin Moore, joining us on the podcast. What's up, man? How you doing, man? What's up? Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to dig into some brand partnership talk. Oh, man, absolutely. I'm like, you know what? We have this discussion a lot with creators, especially newer creators. They want to know how they can get brand deals, and I figure who better to bring on than the man, the creator wizard himself. So... For those people that don't know who you are, Justin, introduce yourself real quick. Let them know who you are, what you do, all that good stuff. Absolutely. So my wife, April, and I, we've been um, uh, creators for over 10 years, Doing the, been doing this full-time for eight years. I also run an influencer agency called Trending Family, where I bring brand partnerships to other creators. And then most recently, about a year and a half ago, I started just pumping out tons of content to just help creators become more business savvy. One of the things that I you know, have found over the years, just kind of informally helping friends with negotiations and pricing structures and stuff like that is just like, there's just a lot of mistakes that people are making. And so I, I was like, you know what, this is it. I'm going to make content to help creators. So yeah, I have my YouTube channel, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. I have a, um, a cohort-based course where I teach creators about brand partnerships. So I just like live and breathe this stuff. This is like what I love doing. I, I could talk about it until now, until the end of eternity. So <laughs> that's my deal. Now, Justin, I am curious because as our friend Roberto Blake would say, some creators just fall into a business once they start a YouTube channel. It's not really their goal when they're first starting out, but they just fall into it. So I'm curious, how did you get into like becoming a brand deal expert? Because again, a lot of creators, they're not very business savvy or they just want to make video for making videos or... They just want to grow an audience, but you seem to embrace being the guy when it comes to getting brand deals. So how did you get into that exactly? Yeah, so it's exactly what, like what you just said. When, when my wife and I first started on YouTube, like it was, it was for the love of the craft. It wasn't for like, oh, we're going to get into this, like make money. I know that's different for a lot of influencers these days because people know that you can make money as a creator. But back in the day on YouTube, there wasn't even a partner program when we started. So it was like really very much a passion project type thing. But when brands started knocking, it was very much the Wild West back then. Like we had no one had any idea what we were doing. None of us early creators back in the day. So it was very much we kind of bumbled our way through it, made a ton of mistakes. I remember I hired our, this is a funny anecdote, I hired our personal lawyer to like make a brand deal contract for me, like a template basically, because the brands that we wanted to partner with didn't have contracts. They were like, oh, let's just do it over email. And I'm just like, you know, the business person in me was like, no, 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 we got to have something signed, right? 
Um, and so it very much was like trial and error, you know, over the years. Obviously, we have made over $3 million working with brands over the last number of years. And so we've done a lot of brand partnerships. It's like a big part of our business. And then, but also running the agency has been a very different perspective to brand partnerships because now it's like, rather than it's like, oh, this is how much you're getting as a creator. No, now it's like as uh, through our agency, it's like the brand is saying, hey, we want to spend $250,000 and we want to work with 40 influencers. And so it's a totally different strategy when you're trying to figure out how all the pieces of the program works together. And I think that's one of the most unique perspectives that I bring to the table is that once you understand both sides of the table, it makes it a lot easier to advocate for yourself as a creator when you're trying to help the brand get what they're trying to accomplish too. Because a lot of creators think of it very like selfishly. It's like, oh, how's this going to help me? How am I going to get paid? How's my audience going to react? And so what I teach is that, no, let's understand what the brand is trying to accomplish. What's their success metrics for this? And then make it a mutually beneficial partnership. And so that's kind of the perspective that I bring to it. Nice. So you work with a lot of creators through this agency and uh, I kind of wonder if I'm a creator and I'm thinking, hey, I want to get in touch with somebody to help me figure this stuff out. This is a lot and I want to start working with brands. What does your agency look for in terms of, I guess, the size that these creators should be? I think that's what my first concern would be is like, is my channel big enough to even be contacting these agencies in the first place? What should I be kind of looking for in terms of, I guess, goals? So let's split hairs a little bit because I think the terminology around this is very important um, because a lot of creators try to, they, they don't really quite understand what, what is like a manager? What is an agent? What is an influencer agency? What is an advertising agency, right? There's a lot of these terminology that is confusing, honestly, very confusing. And so to clarify, so my influencer agency, we do not represent talent directly. So essentially a brand will reach out to us and say, hey, we want to you know, run a campaign for the holidays. Let's say it's a Q4 holiday campaign. We want to work with 10 you know, family YouTubers or something, right? So that's the brief. And so we will essentially, we do work with a lot of people kind of on our roster, like regularly, but it's not exclusive there. We're not rep, we're not their managers. We're not representing them directly. And so we will essentially, anytime there's an opportunity that they would be great for, we will reach out and say, Hey, we're working on this campaign. Is this something that you'd be interested in? Is this a brand that you'd feel comfortable talking about with your audience? This type of thing, right? So that is different than a manager. This is someone who will actually go out there, hustle, you know, on your behalf pitch on your behalf, you know, do cold outreach to brands on your behalf. Um, and so in my experience, uh, when you reach about 50,000 followers, roughly, pretty much any manager or management agency will or management firm will will have a conversation with you, right? Uh, and so what I definitely specialize in, though, is like helping creators who either have no interest in having management or, you know, are not at, yet at a scale to have management learn the art and science of pitching because you as a creator, you can reach out to brands directly. I think a lot of creators think that, oh, I just need to like sit and wait for a brand deal opportunity to get in my inbox. And what I teach is that it's never too early to go out there and just like reach out to a brand on your own and try to forge a partnership. So if I'm understanding you correctly, your agency, you don't work with your creators directly, but you more so work with the brands. You try to figure out what the brands need, and then you try to be the liaison between those brands and available creators that might fit a particular campaign. That's exactly right. So we, we will do the full execution of the campaign, So, but we essentially are managing the whole thing. So this oftentimes happens with like really big brands. They don't have the desire nor the capacity internally to like be having one-off phone calls with influencers and creators and things like that. So they will hire an agency like, us for a fee, you know, there's like a, you know, a management fee to kind of do the campaign, but we are the one who is actually, you know, reaching out to influencers, talking with them, getting on the phone, reviewing the drafts of the content before it's submitted to the brand for approval and things like that. So yes, in effect, it's like a kind of a liaison role to, to ensure that kind of shepherd the campaign, get it across the finish line. 
Interesting. So that gives you a unique perspective in this whole creator economy because you are sitting literally on both sides of the table. Like you have this agency, which makes you, in theory, a brand, but you are also a creator trying to get brand deal for you and your wife. So that has to be pretty fascinating and pretty advantageous for you knowing what each other needs and is looking for because you are literally on both sides of the table. Yeah, it's, it's exactly right. And, and I feel like I have probably exchanged, I think I tweeted this the other day that I, I probably exchanged over 10,000 emails with creators and influencers by now. And I just see so many mistakes being made. Like just like a, a very easy example of this is that when a brand emails you about a potential campaign, they are already pretty far down the line of execution of that campaign. It's not like, oh, we're like thinking about it. No, like if they're reaching out to you, they're like ready to do this thing. So, and you have to understand if they're reaching out to you, they're probably reaching out to 50 other influencers to see if they'd be interested as well. They're probably only gonna move forward with 20, right? But they're reaching out to like kind of cast a wide net, see who's interested, see who's available. You know, a lot of people see who doesn't have exclusivity, you know, for a competitive product at that time, right? So the reason that that's important to have that perspective is that if you are not good about responding to your emails and it takes you two, three, four days to respond back, you did not get that deal. I'm sorry, right? Because if, you, if they're reaching out to 50 people and they're only looking for 20 and the 20 or 30 people who responded within five hours, guess who got the deal? Not you, right? So um, it's just a very like simple like anecdote of like how it's important to have a perspective of like what the brand is trying to do on their side. So if you want to get more deals and you want to like make more money with brand partnerships, you have to be a little bit more professional. So let's dig a little bit deeper into this because you just alluded to a ton of mistakes that you see creators making. So if you had to nail it down to maybe one or two of the biggest mistakes that you see creative make in terms of working with brands, what would you equate those to? Okay, the number one biggest mistake that I see creators making is not asking the brand what the goal of the campaign is, okay? There's three main campaign goal types that every brand will, basically every brand will try to accomplish. The first is a conversion-focused campaign. So this is a campaign where they're trying to drive some sort of very specific action, sales, app downloads, you know, click through rate on a, you know, on so, you know, coupon redemption, something like that, right? So it's very very specific. The next campaign goal type is content repurposing. So this is where the whole goal of the campaign is to get a bunch of amazing assets, a bunch of amazing content from the creator that they that the brand can post on their social media platforms, on their website, right? So that's the whole goal of the campaign. And then the last campaign goal type is brand awareness. This is the one where, you know, they're saying that they want to just, you know, get the word out there, get word of mouth out there, right? And so the metrics associated with those types of campaigns, all of those three types of campaigns are very different, right? So for conversion focus, clearly sales, conversions, right? Those are the types of things the brand's going to care about. For content repurposing, maybe they're not going to care as much about your following right? Because the whole point of the campaign is not to access your organic distribution on your platform. It's to repurpose your content. And then the last one is brand awareness, right? So it's, again, the, the metrics are squishy there. It's like impressions, views, likes, engagement, this type of stuff. So as a creator, it's so critical that you understand what the brand is trying to accomplish because your rates should change based on the campaign goal type. That's the first one that jumps to my mind because almost no creators ask this and brands will just sometimes straight up tell you. <laughs> okay, I wanna, I wanna dig into that a little bit deeper because I actually have the note because for full disclosure for all our listeners out there, I actually took Justin's brand deal course and we'll talk about that a little later. So I have my note from the course here. So as you were talking about the different brand campaigns that happen, conversion, on um, content repurposing, and brand awareness, uh, we talked about price sensitivity as it relates to each of those campaign goals. 
So for conversions, you have a high price sensitivity for content repurposing is medium. And then for brand awareness is low. So talk about how those price sensitivity change from campaign to campaign and, and depending on what the brand wants to do. It's a great point. So price sensitivity in general, what this means is that this is the brand's appetite to pay you a lot or pay you a little, right? So if it's a conversion focused campaign, they are probably beholden to a very specific set of metrics of which how much they can charge. So if let's say it's app downloads, they say, okay, for every app download, we're going to pay $10. That's the cost per acquisition. It's an acronym called CPA. Okay. And so let's say that their hope is that working with a YouTuber who gets, let's say 10,000 views on average on their videos, they're hoping to get a hundred downloads on the app. So that means that the maximum they're going to be willing to pay you is a thousand dollars because they're paying $10 per app download. Okay. And so Sometimes if you ask the brand, they will tell you, <laughs> they will tell you what their CPA metrics are. And so your ability to negotiate a lot more money for that deal is probably not going to be, you're going to get blue in the face is the point, right? So if you know that conversion is like the only goal of the campaign, it's just going to be tough to negotiate much with them because they've got these metrics that they're beholden to. Okay. So that's, that's a high price sensitivity. For content repurposing, I say it's medium because the brand, uh, you know, they understand that they need to compensate you as a creator to create the content, but they're also probably, they've got some budget that they've got to adhere to to create the content, right? So you, you may have some more ability to negotiate with them on that type of campaign goal. And so for brand awareness, the price sensitivity is the lowest because the metrics are the squishiest, right? It's like, oh, we just want to get the word out there, right? Their boss is not going to be like, oh, like, did you get all these sales from this campaign? No. So it's like your ability to negotiate is probably going to be a lot more. So that's kind of what price sensitivity means. One thing I wanted to ask in relation to all of this is what should a creator going into their first brand deal be prepared for? when it comes to pricing, because this is the biggest pain point, I think, for every creator I've ever spoken to about this. They don't know where to start. They don't know what they should be charging in the first place. I know there, this is not a simple answer, but maybe there's some guidance here that could help them, you know, an equation they can run to help them figure this out. Yeah. Okay. So as you probably found out, I love acronyms. Okay. And <laughs> I created an acronym called the DO rule. Okay. And this is the single most the easiest, uh, I tried to simplify it down to its simplest form. Uh, and so it's do is D-U-E. It stands for deliverables, usage rights, and exclusivity. Those are the three main price drivers that you need to factor into your rate. Okay, so what deliverables mean is like, what are they ask, actually asking you to do? Is it a YouTube video? And if it's a YouTube video, is it an integrated or a dedicated video, right? Those should be different prices, probably 2X if it's a dedicated video, right? Is it an Instagram post? If it's an Instagram post, is it a video, a reel, a photo carousel, stories, right? So like really trying to understand and nail the brand down, what are the deliverables for the campaign? Because if you do not know that, you cannot quote them, okay? Let me say that again. If you do not know what the deliverables are, you cannot quote them. A lot of brands come and say, oh, we just want to like this ambassadorship, this partnership. Maybe it's going to be like three to four posts, three to five posts, right? So it's like, it's like very amorphous, right? No, you have to nail the brand down exactly what it's going to be, okay? So that's number one deliverables. The second one is usage rights, okay? A lot of creators don't think about this one. What is the brand going to do with your content? Do they want to run paid advertising with it? If they do, for how long? Where is that paid advertising going to run? These are questions that you should be asking the brand. And then the last one is exclusivity. We, we touched on it briefly earlier. Is the brand requiring you to not work with their competitors for a certain duration? This is especially relevant around 
certain high value times like Q4, the holidays, right? You know, everyone knows brands love spending money during Q4 to get people to buy their products, right? So are they going to be requiring that you can't work with any consumer electronics brands for Q4? You better be charging them a lot of money for that privilege. Like you said, it's, it's very difficult to nail down a specific I do. Okay. Full disclosure. I do have a brand deal pricing calculator in my course, but it is an art and a science, right? You you do need to be thinking about a lot of these types of things when you're putting your pricing together. And the, and the biggest piece of advice I can give is that don't be too hard on yourself. Early on, my wife and I w way undercharged. We had no idea what we were doing. And so to some degree, you do need to get some repetitions under your belt and start understanding what brands are willing to pay creators and so, again, I, I think some of it does come down to uh, experience as well. This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's competitors tool. Checking in on what your competition is doing can be a great way to keep up with trends in your area of expertise. If you have vidIQ installed, you can find this tool on the left-hand sidebar within the YouTube studio. And from there, you can begin adding channels as your competitors. I like to select a range of channels, from the ones that I find to be the leading voices in my niche, all the way down to channels that get similar views to my own. The way that this helps me personally is that I can start to actually detect patterns in the types of videos that my competitors are releasing, which helps me discover some fresh ideas that are already proven to be working. The vidIQ extension works in both Chrome and Firefox browsers, and you can download it for free at vidIQ.com. So we are all creators on this podcast and we've all worked with brands in one form or another. And we all know that working with brands, mistakes are going to be made. As I told you guys earlier, I was actually a part of Justin Brand Deal course a few months ago. And one of the things that I remember you talking about was how if you want to get repeated brand deals as a creator, you need to be flexible and be amicable to work with. And one of the things that you talked about was being a hero for your brand contact. So I want you to talk to us a little bit about what it means for creators to be a hero for their brand contact. And I think that's very important. Yeah, it's a great point. So what I always try to teach is how you, you need to lead with empathy in everything that you do as a creator. Okay. Because I think a lot of creators approach brand partnerships very, uh, there's a lot of like animosity. They just think that they're out to get screwed. The brands are not like, you know, going to treat them well. And there's this like pervasive attitude that like all brands are out to get there. Don't get me wrong. There are some scammy brands out there who do treat creators poorly, and I totally acknowledge that. However, I think it's really important to, to lead with empathy when in these interactions. And so what that means is that if you do enter into a partnership with a brand, you have to understand that that person who's, let's say, a coordinator or an assistant brand manager or something like that, pretty much everyone has a boss, okay? And if you are extremely difficult to work with, because you know, like, Oftentimes there's revisions or edits that are needed to the content, right? The brand says, oh, can you like retool this or say this differently or whatever, right? That happens. It's just natural. That's part of it. If you're just very difficult to work with, you're hemming and hawing about everything. You're fighting them out tooth and nail over every little detail. Essentially what happens then is that that contact has to go then tell their boss about how difficult you're being. And by the way, their boss is going to blame them not you, right? Because they're the one that hired you, <laughs> okay? And so if you can, now that we're leading with empathy as creators, we're gonna understand like, how can I actually make my contact win? Because if I just say, oh, you know what? Yes, I, I hear you. I, I can see how that comes off a little weird in the video. I'm more than happy. I'll do a quick little voiceover, no problem. Even if it wasn't in the contract. I talk about that a lot in the course. Sometimes, you know, these things come up and they weren't in the contract. And it's like, are you going to like hold them to the letter of the law of the contract? Obviously within reason, if they're asking to reshoot the whole video, that's a separate story. But if it's like something that takes you literally two minutes, what is that going to do? That act, your contact is going to remember that. They're going to remember that you help them out in a pinch. And 
when the next campaign rolls around or when that contact goes and works at another brand and is running their influencer campaign, they're going to remember you. Right. So you have to have a long term vision and a long term perspective as a creator, because if you want to make a sustainable income as a creator from brand partnerships, you can't have this kind of like one off mindset. It has to be a broader vision. I have kind of an interesting hypothetical here, and, and I think we could approach this from either side. I'm kind of wondering how you would answer this question of, of red flags. So if you are a brand, what would be some red flags if you're, if you're the brand for the creators you're working with? And then vice versa, if you're a creator, what are some red flags a brand could throw at you that you should look out for? Let's start with the uh, brand side. So red flags as a brand, if I'm reaching out to a creator, would be, like I said, responsiveness. Because if it's taking, even in the initial outreach, if it's taking the creator two to three to four days to respond, what that indirectly says to me is that every single time I message that creator about some aspect of the campaign, it's going to take two to three to four days to hear back from them. As a creator, you may say, well, if I got the campaign, I'd be more responsive. But the brand doesn't know that, right? All they have to go off is your first email, right? And you know, like sometimes I look at my threads, like in these brand partnerships, sometimes there'll be 50 to 80 to 100 emails back and forth, like throughout the whole duration of the campaign over two months, just details back and forth, concepts, revisions, drafts, go live, you know, invoicing, all this stuff, right? So if it's going to take two to three or four days to hear back with you, mm, I'm not sure if I want to work with this creator because that adds a huge amount of like time into this whole program, especially if you're working with other creators, right? So that's one, that's definitely a red flag that I would, I would think about. And then another red flag I would say if, if I'm a brand is just like willingness to work well together. I don't know if I'm not articulating that the best, but like if you illustrate that like this is my way or the highway, basically, right? Like I think a lot of creators don't think about the fact that this is a business transaction, <laughs> right? I am paying you to do this transaction, right? This Yes, I'm honoring the fact that you have this like very intimate connection with your audience and I want to afford you that creative latitude to, to bring this to life so it's an effective campaign. But at the same time, it can't be just your way or the highway. This is a business relationship. I'm paying you to do this, right? And so I think having that mindset as a creator, like if I was a brand and a creator was just very being very difficult in every aspect of the communication, that would concern me, I, I think, a lot. So those are two things that jump to mind. Let's think of two red flags as a creator. A brand who is not willing to send you an agreement or a written contract. That's a big red flag. There's a lot of creators or a lot of brands who just, you know, oh, they want to like say, oh, we could just like use this DM thread on Instagram or this email chain as like proof of the partnership. And in my experience, there is something about the act of signing on the dotted line for mm. both parties, whether it's a hard signature or or an, a, a DocuSign or something. There's something about that act that heightens the expectations from both parties. It's like, okay, I, I'm committing to do this now, both parties. And the fact of the matter is, are you really ever going to take that person to court if they don't hold up their letter of the law? Probably not, right? It has to be probably a very lucrative, you know, a very, you know, a lot of money. I actually talked to an influencer lawyer about this and she said minimum ten dollars to $15,000 for the deal to worth it to actually take it to court if you had to like, you know, if you were having issues. So it's like, it's not just about like having it signed. It's about the act of doing it and what you're going to commit to do. And so any brand that says, oh, we don't do contracts, like that's a, in my mind, a, a very big red flag. And then the other thing that I hear a lot is brands promising 
non-monetary benefits in lieu of compensation. So like, oh, mm. the most common one is like exposure. Like, oh, we have 500,000K on IG or like we're going to like tag you. We're going to do it in an email blast or whatever. And so it's like, we're not going to pay you that much money or money at all. But think about all this exposure that you're going to get. And I am very much opposed to like being on the other side of it, running an agency too. like brands are paying, they have budgets for this type of thing. Right. And so they're trying to figure out <laughs> like which creators will be willing to do this for basically just like PR, right? Free products. And so I think that's, a, that is a red flag that you should think about as a creator. If you're getting a lot of free product offers and a lot of just like gifted collaboration offers, you know, you're going to have to probably start turning a lot of those down if you want to start being paid what you're worth. Um, actually, my next course at my new course after this is going to be called Gifted to Paid, all about this topic, how you convert these types of like free product offers into, into paid partnerships. But it very much is like a, a, a pervasive thing. And so the biggest thing that you can do as a creator is put your foot down and say, no, I'm only going to focus my time in mental real estate on brands who are willing to see what I'm worth. As a teaser to that uh, real quick, when when you say gifted to paid, are you saying that there is a point where you should do this for free? The point of the course is actually to help creators who are getting a bunch of free product offers already and wanting to figure out how to convert those into paid partnerships. Mm. However, to your point, I accepted a free wine fridge recently. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I like even like 10 plus years into our career, sometimes we will do stuff for free, right? The catch mm -hmm. is, is that there is not a whole laundry list of expectations in return for that. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm not going to be doing talking points. I'm not, yeah, I'm going to include in. I'll talk about it in one of our YouTube vlogs or something, but it's like, I'm not, and yeah, I'll put the link in the description. That's fine. It's an $800 wine fridge. I was going to buy it anyway, right? So it's like, I, you know, there are certain times where it's like, if it's a product that you are going to buy, if it's a really expensive product, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. There is a benefit of doing that sometimes, I think in the beginning too, is that you get some repetitions under your belt. Like I was mentioning is that you understand the back and forth with the brand, what the expectations are like, just try to kind of like get an insider view into like what it's like so that I, I do think there is value in that because when you do have your dream brand come along who is willing to pay you you don't screw it up because you have some experience having done it in the past so again i am a, a very much an advocate for like always creators being paid what they're worth but if you want to do some deals in the beginning to kind of get some experience and it's just for free product i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with that okay i want to dispel something that i think is a myth in the creator space can you please, Justin, talk to us about how much the subscriber follower count actually factor into a creator's ability to get brand deals? Viper, I'm so glad you said that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. My video literally that I just released yesterday was called How to Get Sponsorships with Zero Followers. <laughs> okay, that was the name of the video. Okay, so if you're curious about that, I, I dig into this. So some of the main points that I make in the video is, first and foremost, like we just talked about. What if the campaign goal has nothing to do with your following? They just love the content you make. This happens a lot, I think, with like really talented photographers or videographers or things like that. They may not have that big of a following on social media or on YouTube, but the brand loves their drone videography or they just like love the way that they brought this like very cinematic piece of content to life. And they're just going to straight up hire them to create content for the brand's social platforms, right? So in that scenario, it has nothing to do with how many followers you have. Another example I can give is through my agency, we worked with a major wireless telecommunications company and they identified that their products resonated with the FIRE community, which is like the you know financial independence retire early community. And within that community, there are niches, right? So for example, we actually hired a YouTuber who had less than a thousand subscribers because his niche was, get this, budgeting and financial advice for active duty military. 
that was his niche, okay? And so it's like very focused, right? But like, this is what the brand has identified as being hyper-targeted audience, mm. right? And so it's like, I, I love that example. I always use that example because it's like, I think a lot of creators think that like, oh, I gotta like, they have this arbitrary number of like, oh, I have to have 10,000 subscribers or 10,000 followers or whatever before brands will like, give me a second look. And that's not the case. I'm walking proof of the fact that like multiple times, you know, lots of times we have worked with creators who don't have that robust of a following just because their niche is so hyper focused and and that's one of the other things that I always piece of advice that I give is that go deep okay if you are going very broad you're just like any other creator out there but when the amount of brand partnership opportunities that you will get after like doubling down on a niche literally will 10x i'm not exaggerating like once you go you would think it's the opposite you would think oh like if i go too specific i'm going to have less brand opportunities or less you know viewership opportunities and and it couldn't be further from the truth i got to say in a conversation about brand deals I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm surprised we got to you should niche down your channel, which is the number one piece of advice at vidIQ, tube talk, the channel doesn't matter. We're always telling creators. And when you talked about that channel budgeting for, you know, for military, that I mean, how much more niche does it get? It, <laughs> and there you go. Like that opened a door. Mm hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and the other thing uh, about that campaign, he was paid very well, by the way, is that they repurposed the content and ran it as ads. So they ran it as YouTube ads and Instagram ads, because then what can they do with that content? They can go out and target a bunch of other active duty military, not just the people who follow him, right? So it's like, you have to be thinking as a creator, all the value that you can bring, it's not just about the people that follow you. It's about the asset that you can provide to a brand that they can then go out there and get more utility out of, right? So it's like you have to, it's like chess. It's like you got to be thinking two, three moves down the line and charge accordingly for that. So I know we talked about this a little bit already, but yeah, I know I already know the answer to the question, but Justin, can new creators, brand new creators just starting out score brand deals? And if so, how can they go about doing that? Yeah. So I teach a very specific pitching methodology in my course, and it's a universal pitching methodology. Um, and it's, it's called the rope method. And it stands for a pitch that is relevant to a campaign that the brand is working on or has done in the past, okay? O is organic. So you can tie an organic piece of content that you've already posted into the pitch. P is that you're persistent. You don't just email once and then get your feelings hurt that they never responded. No, you follow up multiple times. And E is easy to execute. So when they get this message, they don't have to think. They just say, oh, Wow, this is awesome. Yeah, all they have to do is reply back, yes, how much? Okay, so that framework I think is very, very valuable because any creator of any size can use this framework to craft proposals that you can go there, you go out and, and pitch brands on your own behalf. You don't have to wait for them to come in your inbox. You can, you know, I, I, don't, I can't tell you, you have to be the one to sit and think, what is the perfect brand for my audience? What's the perfect brand for my niche? But if you use this pitching methodology, I literally guarantee you that the response rates to your messages, to your pitches that you're sending brands will quintuple easily. I love how you talk about that because it puts the onus on the creator themselves to go out and get it done instead of, like you said earlier, waiting for a brand to come to you. Because when you are just starting out as a creator, you have to have the, the motivation and the, and the drive to go get it because no one's coming to you. They don't know you. So if they don't know you, how do you go about putting yourself out there in such a way where brands will recognize you and actually want to give you a chance? And a lot of that, like you just alluded to, is just going out there and putting in the work to get on these people's radar, send the emails. And we also talked about maybe tagging the brands on social media when you're using their products or mm -hmm. services and different things like that. So just put in the work. 
Yeah, I think the common denominator across a lot of the things we've talked about is that I have this saying, don't be a creator, be a consultant. That's like my saying, because when you are going out and reaching out to brands, what inevitably happens is that sometimes the brand may not have ever even worked with creators. I think as influencers and creators in this space, we think, oh, like everyone does influencer marketing, right? It's like a total no-brainer thing. There are tens of thousands of brands who have never worked with creators, right? So it's like, if one of the value propositions that you bring when you reach out to them is, hey, I can help you understand this space. Maybe the brand has always wanted to like tackle YouTube. They've always only ever been on Instagram or tick, you know, probably not TikTok, but right, Instagram or like whatever, right? And you come to them and say, hey, I can help you as a consultant understand what works on this platform and what doesn't. These like you you probably have gone to like a brand's YouTube channel in the past and like they all they post on there is like there's 30 second TV ads or something, right? They don't post any content, right? It's like that's not gonna work on YouTube, right? So it's like you come to them and be like, hey, let me help you understand what brands are doing really well in the space. Like, for example, what what if you pitch them, hey, let's say the brand is like REI, okay, like outdoor, I don't know, I'm just making something up, right? And you are a travel creator or you're an outdoor creator or something, you say, hey, I will help you make a talk show on the REI YouTube channel where it's called outdoor therapy. I don't know. I'm making up stuff here, right? And you get prominent influencers to come and sit around a campfire. Everyone's using REI gear. You're all wearing clothing, Patagonia, whatever, whatever brand. And it's an hour long show and you do it weekly for them. What do you think of that idea, right? Your opportunities of what you can pitch to brands is completely unlimited. Another thing that you probably just realized there is that that content doesn't even live on your platform. So start thinking about your platform as your portfolio, okay? That when you reach out to brands, like the only thing you need to do is send them your platform for credibility because the pitch isn't, hey, you can like tap into my audience, blah, 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 blah. No, it's like, this is what I'm going to do for you. And by the way, check out my platform. I know what I'm doing. I got to ask, just as a follow-up to that that hypothetical there, so the creator contacts REI, they pitch this, this amazing talk show idea, and I really like this idea. I just want to know, is in that same pitch, is the onus on the creator to then also express why they would want to do this, or is the onus on the brand to just determine that on their own? Absolutely. I, I, it's definitely something I teach in my courses. Like There has to be reasoning behind it, right? So it's like, a lot of the reasoning comes from research, right? And so something I teach is like, go back into the archives of what the brand has done in the past. Go on there, back to their a year ago on their Instagram or back, you know, look at their old press releases or articles about them and like see what they're trying to accomplish with their brand and use that information in your pitch. Because then it's like, you're speaking the same language, right? You understand, you did your research, right? And so it's less about convincing them that this is a good idea and more about showing them how this already aligns with the strategy they're already working on. I think that would be my biggest thing is is like, how much do I include in this initial email to them? I'm, I'm interested in working with them. And it feels like a pretty, once you start going through all that, you've, you've just given this person, you're cold emailing this massive. <laughs> so I know I'm talking a lot, but my cold pitch like structure is not long. It's like basically following that rope framework. It's like the whole email is like three sentences really, or three sentences with some bullets of the idea. What do you think, Justin? Right. So, yeah. so yes, you leave, you know, future follow-up emails for a lot of this elaboration and just, you can extrapolate the idea, but the whole point is to hook them, sorry, to rope them in. That's the whole point of the, you see that pun roping them in, right? So it's like you're <laughs> lassoing them, right? So that's, that's the whole point of the initial outreach. Yeah. So I want to get into something that's a little more personable. 
throughout the podcast, you've alluded to, or actually earlier, you said that when a brand reaches out to a creator, they are already far down the line as far as who they want to work with for a particular campaign, which means that brand has already done the pertinent research about that particular creator. So being that you are kind of a brand yourself, can you talk to us a little bit about what the brands do in that process leading up to the time where they actually reach out to the creator? What type of research are brands doing on creators to make sure that we want to work with this actual creator? Oh, yeah. I, I, so I actually did a whole workshop on this that I called the brand attraction audit. Because like you said, there is so much tire kicking that's happening before the brand ever reaches out to you, right? So let me explain to you what oftentimes happens. So an influencer agency like ours, basically what we will do is we will get a brief from the brand and say, hey, these are the types of, this is the type of campaign we want to run. This is the type of influencers we think we want to work with. They don't give us much oftentimes, right? And so it's up to us to kind of put together a whole strategy and like say, these are the types of influencers that we think you should work with. And so what happens is that an agency like us, we will go out there and start looking through influencer profiles. We'll look on Instagram, we'll look on YouTube, like whatever platform the strategy is focused on, and we won't reach out. No, no, no. We will include that in a high level deck to the brand first. Okay. And so we will look at your profile. We'll, you know, look at the types of videos you're making on YouTube. Look at your thumbnails. Look at your titles. Does it look risque? Ooh, maybe we shouldn't work with this person, right? Because they're doing some controversial stuff. Do we want our brand associated or our client associated with this brand? Maybe not. Right. So it's like, uh, it's almost like your resume, right? It's like a, someone's going to land on your YouTube channel and they're going to look at your trailer. They're going to look at your about section. They're going to see how you're talking about yourself. Right. Again, before reaching out to you, right. They're looking at all this information. Right. And then without you knowing it, an agency might include or a brand might include you in a deck that's pitched to their superiors. And we think, hey, we just looked at the internet, did a high level overview. And we think these like 20 creators might be good. And the brand says, these look great. Go reach out to them. And then the brand or the agency reaches out to you. So you understand it's like gone through a big process already. You've already probably been like soft green lighted or like soft thumbs up to, by the brand. And so it's so, so critical to think, to look at your own platforms uh, with a very objective eye. And I have this whole like exercise that I uh, encourage people to go in my workshop is like, send your profile to one of your friends, for example, and be like, hey, this is the types of brands that I'm trying to attract. If you were them, let's say, would you reach out to me? <laughs> would you hire me? You know, and oftentimes like your friends, your other creator friends will be like, oh, actually, no, like let's change your bio on IG to say XYZ. Like this is one piece of very concrete advice I can give about this whole thing. A lot of creators' profiles, their bios, their descriptions are very me, me, me focused. It's all about like the type of content I create, blah, 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 blah. And the biggest piece of advice that I can give to get more brand deals is to talk about your audience, not you. Because what a brand is really trying to accomplish by hiring you is leveraging your audience because they're future potential customers of the brand, right? So they want to work with you um, because you're an awesome creator, but really you're the conduit to reach the, your followers who are potential customers. So if you can think about your bio and your about section and to like help the brand understand what is the composition of your audience, it's going to be so much easier for them to understand why they should reach out to you. So when the brand is doing preliminary research before they ever reach out to a creator, would you agree, Justin, that part of that research is looking into how the creators are conducting themselves on social media throughout oh, yeah. all the platforms? It is a holistic social persona evaluation. So as you know, how people behave on YouTube is very different how they behave on Twitter. Oh, yeah. And as a brand, we've seen this many, many times over the years, like brands are scared of blowback because even if they partnered with a creator on YouTube, if they're out there saying crazy stuff on Twitter, you know, the brand will still get that blowback, 
right? It doesn't matter the platform that, you know, that they're partnering with the creator. And so onus is on the brand to do that research ahead of time, you know, to make sure that, you know, their, you know, social persona across all platforms are are in alignment with the brand, brands like mission and values and, and things like that. Definitely. Dan, it's just, I'm kind of in shock right now. We've had a lot of conversations with so many folks who, who talk about this stuff. This is the most in-depth I think we've ever gotten. So I've run through my questions. I just wanted to quickly say like, thank you for, you know, taking the time. This was so in-depth. I, I think I've gotten something out of this. I think every, anyone listening to this is, is going to get a lot of, of value in, as, into the way you broke this down. Well, you know what, Dan? That just means you're going to have to have me back on, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't see a choice. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there's no choice at this point. Um, but yeah, if, if anyone is uh, you know, interested in following me, I'm at Creator Wizard on social media, my YouTube channel, TikTok, Instagram, this type of thing. Uh, and the most important thing, I think this is the coolest thing, y'all, is that I have a weekly newsletter where I send out sponsorship opportunities. It's a completely free newsletter. So if you're a creator that is wanting to, you know, get more brand deals, more brand partnerships, um, I also talk about pitching strategies and things like that. Again, it's completely free, but I uh, would love to have have y'all on there. And, and again, it's oh, yeah. a completely free resource and I, I just love doing it. Oh, no, 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 no. We, we can't just end a podcast like that. Oh, no, 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 no. Because I have to have you talk about your brand deal court that I took. Oh. I want to talk about it. Talk, tell the people about it, Justin. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Okay. So yes, I have a four-week course called Brand Deal Wizard. And it's for creators who are looking to find and negotiate their dream sponsorships so that they never leave thousands on the table again. So that's really the whole point of the course is for creators who have done, you know, maybe done some brand deals, they've made some money working with brands in the past, but they know they're probably leaving money on the table. They know they probably should be pitching different packages, different tiers, different strategies. Uh, and so again, it's a really, it's a four week program over the next cohort is going to be uh, enrollment starting in late January, 2022. And so yeah, if you want to find out more information about Brand Deal Wizard, just go to branddealwizard.com. Tons of testimonials, tons of different content verticals across YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. We've had food creators. We've had tech creators. We've had, I had a LinkedIn creator with 60,000 followers on LinkedIn recently in the last cohort. So it's just like, it's it's very much kind of like universal philosophy and tactics behind how to really kill it working with brands. So yeah, I, pr I appreciate you letting me make that plug. Absolutely. Listen, you all listen, listen very closely. It's your boy Viper talking to y'all. I have taken this course, so I know how major it is. Think about all the information that we've gone through in this podcast and then think about it like three times, three X. Like, that's how much value you will get out of this course if you take it. I highly recommend anybody that is thinking about trying to understand how to get brand deals or just trying to understand how, about how to work with brands in general, definitely consider taking Justin's course. You will learn so much. I learned so much when I took the course a few months ago. I highly recommend it to anybody, any creator out there that wants a better understanding of how to work with brands. This man right here is your ticket. Take this course and thank Viper later. That's what I'm saying. I appreciate that. Justin Moore, man, I appreciate you making time for us on the Tube Talk podcast. Thank you, sir. We will definitely have you back sometime. Love it. Thanks again, guys. No doubt. Thank you all for listening this week, and we shall return next week with another episode of VidIQ Tube Talk. See you later. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk, brought to you by VidIQ. Head over to vidiq.com slash tube talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.